The following content contains adult subject matter, including sensitive material, and is intended for adult consumption only. It may not be suitable for all audiences. Therefore, discretion is advised. Welcome back to Breaking Down with Allie Colbert. Hi, everybody. I hope everybody's feeling good. I hope everyone's having a nice day. Uh, this is I'm, I'm so sincere right now. I hope you feel loved. I hope you feel seen. I you know what is like weird to me. I'm sorry, transitioning really fast. Like when I check out at like a cafe or like a store, and they 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 it's like on the iPad, and they're like they're, they're like the iPad's just gonna ask you a quick question. Like they say that as if the question isn't, "Will you give me money?" Like, that's just, I know what the question is. Like, it's not going to be, like, I'm uh, just going to ask you a quick question right here. Like, that's a shitty euphemism. Today on the show, we have on Ron Funches, an amazing comedian, talented actor and voice actor. And you've seen him in Loot and he voices in Trolls and he was on Top Secret Videos with me, which was, an, you know, an Emmy-nominated show. And... Ron and I are in a spot right now, you know, we're both in this like healing, grieving, breakup phase, and we got into it. We talked about comedy and being fucking sad while doing comedy and the stages of being in a breakup and co-parenting and how he feels about just, hey, he became a dad when he was 20 and he has a younger son now. And it was like, it was you guys, it was real. It was a real one. Thank you for listening. If you like the episode, share it with a friend, share it on your story, follow the show on Spotify if you want to watch the video, and just follow the show in general, um, and thanks for tuning in. This episode is brought to you by Amazon Prime. You know Amazon Prime is not just a shipping subscription, right? It's got everything, including streaming TV and movies on Prime Video. And of course, Prime's fast, free shipping. Go from watching your favorite shows to getting your favorite things. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more out of whatever you're into. This episode is brought to you by Visit Myrtle Beach. You know what's better than getting away to a beach? Getting together at the beach. Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. They've got over 2,000 restaurants, live music playing all day and night, and endless attractions. This place was made for playing hard and beaching easy. Welcome to 60 Miles Where You Belong. The Beach, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Plan your trip at visitmyrtlebeach.com. You have an iconic voice. Thank you. And the most memorable, distinct laugh ever. And I've sat next to you for many hours when people have told you over and over again to to laugh mm -hmm. on command. Yeah. <laughs> and voiceover work, you're obviously big in. Don't you kind of think that that's better than acting, like, where you have to, like, actually show your face because you get to just, like, be in pajamas goofing around. I mean, there's certainly bonuses, for sure. Yeah. I like both. I like doing, I like having a mix of things so I don't get bored. Yeah. Um, but I certainly love doing voiceovers because you get to be a child and yeah. just kind of, like, really use your imagination. And, like, 
and um, I always tend to like act things out while I'm doing voiceovers. You're physically moving. Yeah, and um, I didn't. Then I saw like older videos. I saw like they showed a video of like Whoopi Goldberg when she was doing The Lion King, and she was like doing the same type of stuff. And I was like, oh, okay. I thought I'm onto something. Insane. Yeah, (laughs) but apparently this is what you should do. But you're so if you go into the studio though. Are you doing it with the other actors in the scene, or you're just doing your own track alone? Usually you're doing your own track alone. Sometimes, on a rare occasion, there's a mix of people with you. Bob's Burgers used to do it that way Yeah. um, before the pandemic, but especially since the pandemic, it's a lot of just by yourself. Right. I always get via voiceover auditions, and I never book, and then I finally booked, Mm -hmm. and I get to voice like a 10-year-old Russian boy. Yeah, that makes sense. Which, <laughs> it's so fun. Mm-hmm. I just like being able to do weird voices and stuff. And I like being able to just do it, like, comfortably. Like, I don't have to worry about, like, anytime I act, I'm like, God, do I look like I'm acting? Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do know what you mean, for I sure. But I think that just takes experience and growth, and you know? And probably good acting. Huh? And probably, and it, yeah, that, and yeah probably I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah. I know. But you were saying you're doing all this stuff so you stay busy. So I went through a breakup recently, Mm -hmm. which I just told you about. Yeah, I was shocked. Were you shocked? Was that your shocked face? (laughs) I was like, oh, okay. I'm shocked. But for context about Ron and I, we... We're on um, a show together, an amazing show <laughs> called Top Secret Videos. Yes. And it was on True TV yes. with Brian Posehn. Yes. And I was so happy I got that job. Me too. When I got that job. It was during the pandemic. The fucking height yeah. of the pandemic. I sorely needed that money. We got to just sit on a couch mm-hmm. and watch YouTube videos and laugh. Yeah. That was it. Yes. It was amazing. It was really fun. I like because I, you know, as I learned about you and knew you and got to see how funny you and sharp you were. And then it was also so fun to see Brian like be asleep for like half the day <laughs> and then just wake up and say the funniest thing you've ever heard. And yeah. You're like, oh, wow. You're just like a tree of wisdom from the Legend of Zelda. He's, he's so funny. And I remember him on set. Whenever he would get, like, a note from a dir- the director, he would just be like, should I act more or act less? <laughs> like, want me to turn this up or turn it down? And I remember, yeah, and just, like, you and, like, I, I had been always been a fan of yours and, like, working with you in that setting. Like, you're just so accessible and nice to everyone. And I don't know. You're just a good person, so I'm happy to have you on the show Thank and you. to talk about like real things with you. It's like you're so funny. You you always seem so funny and happy. And then your podcast, Getting Better, is like about getting better. It's like about mental health stuff. And I'm like wondering where you feel you fall on the happiness scale. Because lately, not to make it about me, I mm-hmm. just feel fucking miserable. Mm, I understand. How long has it been since you you've broken up? We broke up in. It was a long breakup. Like, we basically started talking about breaking up. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) You both had to turn the key? (laughs) We started talking about breaking up in, like, April. And we already had this big trip booked to Morocco. Oh, no. And we were like, we got to go on that trip, though. That's a bad idea. (laughs) And it was so, it's very lesbian. Mm -hmm. Like, lesbians will cling on for dear life. 
Like, we're like, well, the lease is another year, so we should at least, like, we went to a wedding together after we were broken up. Like, it was really fucking messy. And then we broke up at the end of May, and we weren't living together. And then it's just, like, really brutal. Mm. You know? Yeah. When was when was your, like, tell me about the timeline of your... Um, I'm at about a year anniversary of it. Of the tragedy. <laughs> so, a year anniversary. Okay, of her, of the official divorce, or what? No, of the, like, we're probably not... This isn't going to work, and we should make plans for us to separate. Yeah. Um, that was probably October, and I believe, yeah, she moved out um, around November, so we're coming near a year from that as well. And I certainly was not happy at all. I mean, I was not happy, at my least happy, probably two to three months before we broke up. Yeah, you me know? Th- yeah, totally. Where you're just kind of, where you are desperately just trying to figure out and you're bargaining with yourself and being like this. I remember just having conversations with myself and just being like, well, nobody's happy all the time. <laughs> so, <laughs> right, yeah. right. So why should I be happy all the time? It's fine. I like my work. I like myself. So maybe this will figure itself out and i just remember because like um, my mom was in an abusive relationship for like several years when i was a child and i just remember when you have the clarity of a kid like you kind of see through all the emotions of it and you're just kind of like what are you doing and what's going on and you i would hear my mom say things like oh well he could change and i could change him and i'm not saying that like this was like a anything like that it certainly wasn't any like physical abuse or anything but I remember when I said to myself, well, maybe she can change. And I was like, oh, no. I remember hearing this before when I was a kid. Right. And I was like, this has gone too far. I just have to get out of this. And and I was um, devastated for a while, especially afterwards for a little bit just in the way that the interactions were going because i i imagined that it was going to be some really um raw feelings and some anger and some things like that but there were just some things that happened that i did not imagine yeah and so it really no i mean in the positive way it reaffirmed or i was like because i think even when you pull the trigger sometimes you're like well maybe if they fight hard enough or yeah. if they like yeah are willing to like meet me have they're like okay well now i see there's a real issue maybe this will clarify something yeah yeah but when it kind of went completely the other way and it was just like well you're this you're that you're this and i was like oh wow how come you didn't mention any of this before? <laughs> Isn't that so? I was just saying that to Matt, our producer. I was talking. I was like, the what happens during the fallout ends up being like it can be this huge like sign of like yeah, it's not you're not meant to be with this person. But it's also so fucking confusing. Like, how can you be with someone for years and know them and then not know them? Mm-hmm. That's such a mind fuck. Yeah, and like. Do you, but do you think that's true that people can't change? I think people have to want to change, uh, and it's not. It would never be in relation to what you do for them or what you provide for them. It's always has to be. A, a, everyone's on their own self journey of that. You know, some people don't want to. Some people are very comfortable in who they are and where they are, and I guess there's a blessing in that. I mean, I like growing i like changing i like pushing myself and it, it can't be with someone who it doesn't do that as well um but i think you know sometimes 
you draw people to you that you need at the time or that were helpful for you, full for you at the time. And as like crappy as it is to say, sometimes you like you outgrow that relationship and you yeah. have to leave them behind. Yeah. Now that I'm single, I'm like, there's every option feels really hard. Mm-hmm. Like I have a pattern of getting into serious relationships back to back to back. Mm-hmm. Me too. Serial monogamy. Yeah. yeah. Hey, yeah. What's up? <laughs> and it's... Let me put myself into your world. Let me ignore <laughs> what I could do and just dump it all into us. A hundred percent. I'm like, this is so, I'm so good at turning the light on someone else and being like marveling at them and being in awe of them and just using it to not actually sit with myself. Hmm. And this relationship ending, I was like, I'm not getting in another relationship mm-hmm. right away. Mm-hmm. And it's it's hard. Like, it's hard to like date. With that intention, because sometimes I feel like it's disingenuous mm-hmm. because people want to find people mm-hmm. and I want to make, I want to connect, but I know that if I get into a relationship right now, I, I'm doing myself a disservice. I'm doing the person I'm with a disservice. Mm-hmm. And also it's like, it is literally my, like getting in relationship is my Drinking, smoking, like, mm. that is exactly my form of distraction. I, I'm, like, rem- remembering what it's like to be alone. Yeah, well, this is, uh, it's fun to connect with you at this time, although I'm sorry to, that it is this way, but because I'm exactly on that same journey. Like, um, right after I got started in my separation, I had to go back to, like, filming the show that I'm on, and I thought it would be a great distraction to be like, okay, well, I got to work 14 hours a day, so, but what I found is that it, like, just wasted me. Like, I was just, like, worrying and stressed about that, and then worrying and stressed about my lines, and then, you know, there's always the um, little bit of things that go on while you're taping a show where you have to put your ego aside if someone tells you something or you didn't do something the way they wanted or a coworker is being egotistical or something. And I just could, I had no patience for that yeah. at that time. And so I would like put on this face and this mask and then I'd go back to my trailer and just be like, fuck this, fuck everybody. Yeah. My, um, hairdresser on the show is now like a really dear friend of mine james and he does tarot readings and stuff as well just a general hollywood weirdo (laughs) and uh, i love him and so he was like i came and got a haircut from him one day and he was just like man you got a bad energy on you right now he said that yeah he was just like you just don't seem like you you seem stressed out you seem like it's just there's a dark cloud on you right now he's like i want to give you a tarot reading and i was like okay fine i had plenty i enjoy them so sure and uh so he gave me a reading and it was pretty much like he said he was like he was like you're going through this journey right now he's like you're going to be predisposed to go back to your old patterns of like finding a relationship and just jumping into something else, putting your emotions into them. It's like what you need to do is really work on yourself, be by yourself, focus on yourself for this year. And it's going to open up a whole bigger world of love to you. Mm. And I was just like, okay, I'll try that. It sounds crappy. Yeah. Um, But now that I'm like, nine months 10 months into it i'm like okay i'm starting to see that uh, it's the beginning of it because i'm i would say you asked me about the happiness scale i'd say it was at a two for a long time 
and then it was hovering at a five and a half for months <laughs> and then just as of like last week i'm like oh i'm at an eight like oh, i'm starting good. to feel good i'm starting to like myself and enjoy myself um and it's been even with the dating, like you said, like I am very upfront in telling people. I even mentioned, I'm like, if you come to my house, there's my vision boards right in my thing. And on my vision board, it says stay single for 2023. So you can come by. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get alarmed. Yeah. By the vision board. Yeah, it will right. tell you what's up. And so I've just been upfront about it. And it has led to like some issues and people saying that they could handle it and they couldn't or other people being like, I'm looking for my person. So this definitely won't work, but I find that that's much better than like wasting my time pretending or putting myself into a box for a person. Cause the people who it has where they are like, okay, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Like it's been some really fun experiences and learning about people and learning more about myself. And, and like you said, just being able to be lonely and be by myself and just be like, this is fine. What do you do? <laughs> I don't know what to do. I told my therapist, I'm like, when I'm alone, like I have so much more time mm-hmm. now that I'm single. Like it's even if like Julian was home and we weren't doing anything, it was just like that time didn't feel like time because mm-hmm. we were next to each other. Mm-hmm. And now I'm just like, I feel every second, mm. you know? Yeah. The Buddhists say, <laughs> Tell me what the Buddhists say. They say how you feel when you're alone is is your relationship with yourself. Mm. And I guess I have the, not the best one. Mm. It's getting better. At first, it was really fucking bad. Like, the first, like, th- two months, it was, like, really, like, you can't really. I was, like, I felt like I, like, lost an arm. Mm-hmm. I'm just, like, I'm not myself because I forget who I am without this relationship, this, like, fucking thing. And now I'm just, like, oh, what do I like to do again? And, like. You call friend. I'm like trying to like get like that that like scratch that itch I have where I like want someone to like love me. I'm like I guess I could just call my mom. Mm-hmm. And yeah. like my mom loves me. It's not exactly what I'm going for, but like oh I oh I understand. I went to this wedding and my my old my first assistant that I ever had got married um, last summer, and I'm sitting at the table and it's like. My manager and Brian, they've been married married forever. And then my acting coach and her wife, and they've known each other forever. And I'm there with me and my oldest son. And I'm like, this is like, I guess this is my love of my life, which is fine. I'm like, I do love him like that. He has, he is the one who was with me from the beginning. He is the one who was with me before I started comedy. So in a lot of ways, he is truly the love of my life. And I will do anything for him. Mm. I do wish it was someone was a romantic love. That would be fun. Uh, But I am learning to accept love in other forms. I have um, certainly increased my relationship with my mom and my conversations with my mom. My mom was a big part of the reason that I got separated and just uh, was also a big supporter in it, which was difficult because, you know, at my at that time I had like a five month old baby. So during the separation. Yeah. So I was terrified that she was going to be like, no, you can't do that and do this to your child. And, you know, that's the but the way that she responded was just like, no, I can tell you haven't been happy. I can see it in you. I can see a difference in you. And I'm proud of you for making an extremely hard choice and for standing up for, for your own happiness. And yeah. To hear my mom say that, 
made mm. everything else. But okay, there's other people, you know, cousins or whatever, who were like, "You can, you guys can figure it out, work it out." Da, 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 da. Everyone gotta, says that. Yeah, yeah. Stay in it for the kids. That's yeah. Is there truth in that? I don't think so. Right. Don't you want to model for your kids what it is to be in a good, loving relationship? That's what I'm hopeful. Yeah. <laughs> One day. Right. <laughs> how, how are how You have two kids. Yeah. And how old is your youngest now? My youngest is 16 months. 16 months. Yeah. And your older son is like tw- 20 or? You nailed it. Great job. 20. Mm-hmm. How are you? How are you? I have so many questions about this. Did you always want to have kids? Um, no, for sure, no. Um, my my oldest was certainly. Um, it wasn't. I can't say the biggest surprise. We had already gotten pregnant before and had an abortion, and um, I was just high. I, what I've always been is a romantic, mm. and so when we had already had an abortion, we'd been together a couple of years longer. And was like, you know, even though I was a child, I was 20, I was just like, well. And I think a lot of it also came from that my dad wasn't around a lot when I was a kid. So when we found out, I was like, well, okay, we're going to have this kid. I'm going to be a great dad. I'm going to go get a job at a bank. And I'm going to And I'll be with this. this woman forever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you figure out, like, okay, no, this is wild and this isn't right. And uh, this isn't a good relationship for me. And, she, you know, I have sole custody of my son now. So that's, you do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's right. So I mean. that's, you know, a whole story in itself. Right. Um, that's not, you don't hear that a lot. No, you don't. That's always fun whenever. It's, I hate to clarify it because I'm just like, I'm just a dad. Like, you know, and I feel like all dads should be dads. And But it's so often when people hear, like, Oh, you're a single dad. And I'm like, okay, I'm a single dad. My son, you know, my oldest son's 20. And they're like, okay, when do you see him? I'm like, every fucking day. <laughs> what the fuck are you saying to me? You wouldn't say that to a woman. Right. You know, but it's such a. It's, uh, I don't, it's totally not what you hear. Yeah. That's a lot of fucking work. Yeah. You And it is what I associate with a mom. I'm like, Ron's a mom. <laughs> yeah, I am. But you're a dad. Yeah, I'm, I'm all Is things. he at home, right? Is he going to college? I forget. He's going to school right now. He goes to this thing called Loman's Transitional Center. Um, wait, where he's actually transitioning over to a new place. Well, we're working with the Ed Asner's Foundation. Okay. Um, they do a lot of great stuff. And so he's going to start doing a new program with them that is very expensive and uh, then hopefully we're going to put him in the uh, the ucla pathways program because right now i just feel is like you know he's 20 and it's like a time where if i don't keep on him and don't push him like he could very easily just play video games all day and just right. hang out and one of the things that happened in the center the reason why we're moving over is that um they offered him this other program which is like fine but it was like Doing something I always didn't want him to do, which is like they were going to have him working at this medical center, just kind of cleaning up, like clean up medical ways, cleaning up nursery, cleaning up. There were other tasks, but it was mostly cleaning up. And I remember as soon as I found out um, that my son had autism, it just kind of sent me into this like flashback of being in high school and all the kids that like were in special needs in my high school and, and like basically all that the services that they were given was that they would go to school and they would clean up the cafeteria before we ate and clean up the cafeteria after we ate 
And that was what they were learning. And I was just like, I don't want that for my son. Mm -hmm. Like, I understand that maybe for some people that's what they need and that's what what their levels are. But my son's pretty smart. Like, he certainly has some communication things, but he's a very smart and very independent young man and very kind young man. And I just always was like, I'll be damned if he's just used as a servant to clean up for neurotypical people. Mm -hmm. And so... Um, instead, now he's going to go work at Funko for doing some stuff. What's Funko? They make the pops, the little figurines and stuff. Okay. Yeah, and there's other classes involved, but it's very expensive. It's like eight grand a month. Oh, so my God. I know. I don't even normally been talk to the exact, but it just happened yesterday. So I was like, Ugh. What the? F- eight grand a month? Yeah, I mean, it's not every month. It's a three-month semesters. Okay. So, but. It's expensive. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Well, that's really. I don't even know what the word is, but for you to acknowledge, like I want more for him than that, feels like something I want to say something about. I don't know if I want to say. I don't know if I want to say. I don't know if I want to say like impressed. But it just feels like everyone should. It feels like everyone should have a dad like that. Oh, thank you. This episode is brought to you by Amazon Prime. You know Amazon Prime is not just a shipping subscription, right? It's got everything, including streaming TV and movies on Prime Video. And of course, Prime's fast, free shipping. Go from watching your favorite shows to getting your favorite things. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more out of whatever you're into. This episode is brought to you by Visit Myrtle Beach. You know what's better than getting away to a beach? Getting together at the beach. Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. They've got over 2,000 restaurants, live music playing all day and night, and endless attractions. This place was made for playing hard and beaching easy. Welcome to 60 Miles Where You Belong. The Beach, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Plan your trip at visitmyrtlebeach.com. What does parenting while you're growing up look like? Oh, man, a lot of mistakes. A lot of mistakes. Holy shit, ton of mistakes. Yeah. Oh, for, for I was not a great dad for the first few years, I would say. I put my son in some bad positions that he shouldn't have been in. I didn't have a stable place to live in. We had to float around a lot of places. Uh, you know, your special needs and stuff. And um, for a lot of, you know, that's one of the reasons why he's spoiled now. I tell people, it's like, you know, my son used to be the man of the house. You know, once he was diagnosed and we started getting Social Security, like, he was the one paying the rent. I paid electricity and other stuff while I was trying to do comedy and stuff. Holy but, shit. Yeah, my child was the man of the house. And so I owe him so much just for being able to make it through that with me and then you know when i moved out to la there was the time period that he didn't live with me and that he was with his mom and before i got custody and that was like some of the most like stressful time in my life of just worrying about him and it was an odd feeling when you're like there's nothing i can do like i can the more i send money but 
things keep happening and like i still keep these calls that like their electricity is going to get cut off and i'm just like what why i keep sending you this money you know and so it was just so stressful until the point where um you know when i had to go i don't think i've ever said it in an interview because i had been really trying to turn this into a show or art but um like when i went and got him i just had time off from uh show undateable that i was working on and they changed the hiatus weeks so i was just like all right i got this week off i'm gonna go see my son because if i don't go see him now i'm not gonna see him for like a month and so i call his mom and tell him i'm coming she's like okay cool and then like from then on until the day i leave there's like no communication which had was strange but not like rare like it was sometimes a scare tactic she would do to be just like I might be here when you get here or not. Take mm-hmm. the flight. Yes, you know, and okay. I would just do it and he'd be there and we'd freak it out. And so this time I was like, all right, it's going to be the same thing. I show up. Um, but this time I show up. He'll be up. there with her? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, but this time I show up and there's just like trash all in their like yard and there's like a U haul in their front yard and there's like a fist sized hole in their door. And just like an in an eviction notice, and I'm just like, what is going on here? And she's like, oh, I'm just having some issues. <laughs> oh my god! Technical difficulties. Four oh four. Page not found. Yeah. And you're like, we're going fine. We're gonna go stay in an extended stay hotel. We'll be fine until I get this together. I'm like, no, you're not. I'm, I'll take them back to my apartment that I live in in LA. You you let me know when you got it together. You know? Yeah. And then I left there, took him back. Yeah, got on the plane, took him back to LA and called my lawyer and was just like, I'm never taking him back. Like, you we, you gotta figure out something because he can't go back there. Oh my God. That's so much life. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. That's so intense. <laughs> and you're pursuing comedy at this point in time. Yeah, oh well, yeah, deeply. <laughs> You're getting on stage at this point in time, and yeah. you're telling jokes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's sickening. I mean, it's it's. I mean, it's not the same thing. But even in the place I'm in now, where I'm like, I feel that I'm going through this terrible. I'm in this spot that feels really painful. I'm grieving. I'm mourning. My life looks different. And then you're, they're like, all right, go on stage and do an hour mm-hmm. of you being in a good mood. Mm-hmm. And it's like, fuck. Mm-hmm. You know, like I don't. And I can, I can do it. I show up and I fucking do the thing. But like, I don't feel like aligned in it. Like, I yeah, can't, that's the great word. That's the word. You know, like how I'm can like, you be aligned? I don't know because I'm not like. Let's go Friday night improv. Yeah. Like I am upset, mm-hmm. but I still am doing this thing. Mm-hmm. How are? How do you do? How do you get around that? By aligned by accepting it. By aligning it, by going, that is truly, like, I hated it, but, like, it's been one of the best lessons I learned because I feel like, you know, you start comedy and nobody cares about you and you kind of get this whole thing of, like, well, whatever, I like it, so I'm going to do it, I'm going to enjoy it. And if you're lucky, you get a little bit of success. And then sometimes I think, subconsciously or not, we all get this degree of, like, let me keep doing what's been working. Let me keep presenting you with what you like. And I think... For me especially, it was like, I remember every single set I would start and I'd just be like, hi, hi. Because sometimes they'd get a laugh because people didn't expect my voice to be like that, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and then, 
like you said, when I was going, and I was like, I don't feel like being high. I'm like, I'm like, hey, how's it going? That's how I feel, mm-hmm. you know. And when I started doing that on stage, yeah, it was at first awkward, of course, and sometimes I go too far in being too negative or and too divorcee or whatever. But once I was like too divorcee. <laughs> once i was just like okay i'm finding this middle ground of like this is how i feel i can still entertain you but i'm not going to lie about how i feel right now i'm not going to pretend i'm not going to be like i'm the host i'm here to hey whose birthday i'm not doing any of that yeah i'm just saying how i feel right now and working on jokes that express that and i feel like it's led me right now to where like my hour that i'm working on now is like the most me authentically myself the most like like where i say some jokes right there's a couple jokes in my act where i go oh they're gonna hate this they're gonna want to turn on me but i'm gonna present such a skill set and such a level of comedy with this that i but fuck it they'll they'll fall back they'll get back in line and i used to be so scared to do anything like that yeah i'd always had to be like please like me please like me right like what's me. i mean what are you talking what are you sharing that you're that is risky to share right now what do you feel it is uh, i mean it's not even risky it's just talking about subjects that i think before i would have shied away because i was like oh people don't want to hear me talk about that yeah or people don't want to hear this from me and now i'm just like if i think of it if I if it's true to me, then I say it. Right. And I'll just figure the rest out. Right. Yeah. It's. Uh, do you feel like what what I'm dealing with now is I'm still doing material about like I haven't written the material yet about mm-hmm. the breakup. Mm-hmm. So I'm going on stage every night and I'm saying I'm engaged. I get a big clap <laughs> in the crowd. I'm like, thank you so much. It's really exciting. I do all my bits about that. They still work. They're new bits. These are bits in the last, like, six months. You still go on stage and say you're engaged? A hundred percent. Wow. And I have not sat... Stop doing that, please. <laughs> I want. I don't want to keep doing the material, but, like, I have to, like, sit down and write new fucking material. And I've been in so much pain mm-hmm. that I'm not, like, crying, being like, and this is a good bit. <laughs> You know, like how do you? How are you doing that? How are you working out new shit well, while you're in trauma? Not going on stage, going. My no, marriage is great, right? No, now. but are you like my wife? Like no, you never talk. Well, okay. Well, I talk no. a lot about it. Well, I mean, no, I mean, I understand what you're saying. No, I, I was where you were. The last thing that I recorded yeah. was a Amy Schumer thing for Netflix, where I'm on there being like, my wife, blah, 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 and she bring me water, and now I drink more water, and blah, blah, all this bullshit. And <laughs> <laughs> that was truthful at the time. Yeah. But once I wasn't married, I was like, I'm not doing that material like i have to just not do it and you some of it i just had to throw away some of it you could i could refashion into like what my life is now right but um some of yeah i can't imagine what that would do for you spiritually <laughs> to just be like i'm demonic i'm engaged <laughs> like you're a crazy I'm telling you, I I feel crazy. I mean, listen, when I first started doing stand up, all of the every setup I ever wrote, the first four years of doing setup uh, stand up were completely contrived. Mm-hmm. Like I'd be like, when I was at the airport this mm-hmm. morning, obviously that shit stand ups too. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, 
I did it. Mm-hmm. And some people are like, that's such a good, like, like Todd Berry, I was with him like a month ago and he was, some comedian went on stage and he was like pointing out how fucking contrived the setup was. Mm-hmm. It doesn't always bother me though. Mm. Oh, it bothers me. Really? Oh yeah. What part of it? I'm like, who cares? Um, it bothers me just for, I mean, I, and I, I this is this specific to style and taste, but what I like in comedy is I like feeling at the end of a set that I've gotten to know this person a mm-hmm. little bit, that um, I know more about them, whether I like them, whether I think they're silly, whether I disagree with them strongly. I still feel like I learn more about them. I think like someone like Patrice O'Neill was great at that, where you'd be like, oh, I don't agree with that. Oh, I don't, what? Why do you? But that's you. Yeah. That's you, and I believe that's you. Yeah. And to me, if I catch you in a lie, yeah. I don't believe you anymore. It's like a relationship. It's like, yeah. okay, I've come to your show. I'm gonna, From the beginning, I'm going to believe whatever you say to me. So if you go, like I saw this the other day. And <laughs> you where, hate me now? No, no, not at all. <laughs> I think you're very, very funny. Um, I just saw this guy the other day, and he was just like, I got this girlfriend and this and that and blah, blah, blah. And he was going in into the things about his girlfriend. He and then he, in the middle of it, he just goes, I'm lying about that. I'm actually single. And I'm just like, motherfucker, you just wasted my time. <laughs> well, that, that, I'm not doing that. Okay. That, that feels a little more heavy handed and crazy. Mm-hmm. I have to say. <laughs> I have to say. It really does. And I, I, I've kind of worked, I've, I've been working my way into the fact that, I, that I'm going through a breakup on stage. Mm-hmm. But the other thing is that if I don't feel, like, grounded enough in the pain, mm-hmm. I've gone on stage, because this is why I went back, reverted back to the engagement material. I went on stage once and talked about it, okay. and they fucking sniffed out my fear like a dog, and they knew that I was actually upset, mm-hmm. and I fucking lost everyone fast oh yeah and that scared the shit out of me yeah yeah yeah. and i was like if i don't feel a little bit better inside i can't go on stage and start talking about it and Mm -hmm. i also like i do some observational humor but it's like my main thing is just talking about like me in my life like it's hard for me to just like remove a character i already lost a fiance now i have to lose my hour Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) that's part of it you know what i mean yeah like well financially are you at a place where you could take a break I mean, stand-up has never been, like, I'm not, like, a road dog. Yeah. You know? So when I headline, like, it's good. I'm happy to have those opportunities, but I'm not, like, on the road every weekend. Okay. So I do feel like I've been, like, it's been chiller because mm-hmm. I've kind of been, like, sitting with myself. But the other thing I feel, I don't know if you felt this way going through this past year, is, like, it's kind of the only time where I actually have, like, organic authentic relief mm-hmm. is when i'm on stage mm-hmm. because like you can't not be present yeah and it's one of these things where i'm sure you feel this way too that like it's like a it's like a purpose it's like a gift and it's like when you're doing your purpose when you're living that out it it just like empowers you and like reminds you of like what's possible yeah absolutely but i would also stress that it is another relationship and so just like you're trying not to serial jump into a relationship, yeah. you can't just, like, let your comedy be the thing that controls how happy you are or if you have a good set. Because I remember Fuck. being in other ways, like, oh, if I had a great set, I'd have a great day. If I had a bad set, I wanted to kill myself. Yeah. And so 
you have to get to a point where you see yourself as more than a comedian and what you bring to the table as a human being? Ron, no. I'm just saying. Okay. Maybe. No, I like the idea of that. Think about it. I think about it a lot. Walk around in it. Okay, but here's the other thing. (laughs) And tell me if this happens for you. Okay. I feel like when I date, my main card that I play is my work. Mm. That's what people are attracted to. Mm Mm-hmm. They like when I perform. They like that I'm funny. They like that it's a cool job. Mm-hmm. So I see that I get rewarded for that. That's mm-hmm. what I'm, that's like, and I'm not saying it in a manipulative way. Like, that's just like a part of my, like, wheelhouse when yeah. I, like, meet people. Of course. And, like, I don't know how to not have that be my value. Mm. Uh-oh. Yeah. What do you do? Do you feel that way? Do you, I mean, oh, come on. You must... I mean, the pandemic was very helpful for that with me, though, because then I couldn't do comedy. Yeah. For a year. And I yeah. went through that whole feeling then where I was like, oh, this is all I've been doing for at that time was 15 years. Right. And I was like, this is how I define myself. What right. do I do? Like, okay, yeah, we're still okay. We're still paying the bills. But this is how I've defined myself. And I did have to. It was a long thing of just being like, okay, well, what are you besides that? And I'm like, okay, I'm a good dad, good son, good friend. Apparently not the best husband. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, a great partner. I'm an amazing partner. Um, But I had to learn all these other values. And even when it came to the separation and divorce, it was, um, I kind of, because, you know, I saw it coming a little bit. I could spend some time on the road coming up with what it was like this, like, plan to keep my sanity. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, okay, you're going to have to work, and that's going to be weird, and that's going to suck, so you're going to need to go take a vacation. So I took a little vacation before I went to work. I was like, you're going to want you're gonna need to have the things. And the big part of my vision board was like, return to your roots, the things that made you happy before you got anything, before you did anything, before anything, uh, what just truly makes you happy. And so I started going to a lot of concerts, um, still going to my pro wrestling shows, playing video games with my friends, planning trips with my friends. And um, I started doing jujitsu also because I was like, I'm going to have a lot of anger and stuff. So uh, I'm going to go choke somebody. You know? <laughs> and that's been a godsend. I love been doing jujitsu two or three times a week now. So just building that confidence in myself. And I mean, the best thing I can say to you, I don't even know if this applies to you, but what for me yeah. was was like, Oh, you know what I need to do is instill the qualities in myself that I've been looking for in someone else. Like that's what I've been like acting as if I'm not enough and I need someone else to fill the rest of this. Someone else that can help me with my son, someone else that can help me hold down the house because I'm messy and I work a lot. But at the end of the day, I was like, oh, I just need these skill sets. I need to be able to cook for myself. I need to be able to organize. I need to do the jujitsu so that I feel that I can take care of myself and my son if we were getting any type of situation. Um, besides a gun, then I would still run away. Or if they knew jujitsu at all. Uh, but if they don't know any, I had to ask them ahead of time. Just be like, okay, do you know any martial arts at all. Before we make this physical. Yeah, if you don't, I, see your resume. I think I got this a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> right. You become the partner you want. You become the partner you want. You know, I always think about this when I hear, especially when, I mean, 
divorce, one thing, but when breakups, when you have children, mm -hmm. how do you shield your kids from like when you're in pain or like you don't, they see, they know you're in pain mm -hmm. and that's just what this is. Like mm -hmm. being a parent just seems so messy. It is. It's very messy. And like out of control. Yes. <laughs> it would scare the fuck out of me. That's life, though. I know. That's what it is. But it also at the same time, because even now, you know, I've talked with my mom and she's like, you know, would you have wanted to have this new kid if you knew you were going to be a single parent again? And I'm like, ooh, that is a hard question to answer. Mm -hmm. But I know that I love him now and that I'm happy that I have him now. And I know that the things that I was, because when I had my oldest it was such a stressful time period. It it certainly feels like, like everything moved in fast forward. Yeah. And then the nice thing I knew, he's 20 and we have a home and we're doing better. But I really feel like we both missed out on a lot of the like little kid stuff. And so to have my new son and to be aware of how fast it goes and to like see his smile when I come through the door and how his like whole not just his face, his whole body beams, you know, that, oh, daddy, that's my dad, you know, <laughs> is the best. Yeah. And so it's such an indescribable feeling when you're like, when you, it's that feeling of love when you're just like, oh, my God, this person loves me. Yeah. And they need me. And I got to be there for them, even if they're whiny and annoying or poop covered or whatever. You got to still take care of them. And it's tiring. And especially now that I'm doing it when I'm 40, it's tiring. And it's, um, you know, and I did not expect to be co-parenting where I see them. I thought I'd be like, I thought it would be like a old 50s TV show where I come home. Be right. like, Honey, I'm home. And the, and the yeah. kids run down and wife will come and kiss me down the stairs and all that. And instead it's like, okay, Monday through Wednesday. <laughs> like, you know? Right. But it's also affording me this balance where I still get to go do my comedy and enjoy my life. And most of all, I'm not having to um, compromise what I like or compromise what I love about myself or just, you know, it just was the point where I was just like, I don't, this doesn't feel right. This doesn't feel like, um, this might more feels like a relationship of convenience as opposed to like someone who's truly loves me and my spirit and what I provide outside of material goods. Mm. Yeah. I feel like, I mean, if 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 half if fifty percent of marriages fifty one percent of marriages fail, and then you have the forty nine percent, I mean, how many of those forty nine percent are just staying together because of circumstance? Mm. I mean, this is a failed paradigm. Yeah, perhaps I believe. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, isn't it? Kind of, would you, Would you ever do it again? Get married again? Yeah. I mean, it'd probably have to be an extreme circumstance, I would think. Because you said you were a romantic. Yeah, that's what keeps that open for me. What? And also, yeah. I've started to say I'm open to it just so that I feel like it won't ever happen. <laughs> I feel like if I said no, never. Then it's going to come. Yeah. So I'd say. Reverse perhaps, psychology with the universe. But I truly, in my mind, I'm like, I don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> In in what ways are are you a romantic, Ron? Mm, I see the best in people. Mm -hmm. I, I see people for, like, I have a tendency to put people on a pedestal. And um, I just, I do love love. I love taking care of people. Mm -hmm. I like being able to 
surprise people with gifts or um and not just like here's a gift but just like i like to listen and hear what you want hear what you need and like and then provide that like i like that that makes me happy i think you know having a kid at an early age really instilled that in me where i'm like oh my joy comes from giving other people joy like, mm-hmm. and it's great with comedy and stuff uh, it's, it's, it's like i'm i feel the exact same way Mm-hmm. But it can be misguided. I can have a misguided savior complex, and my therapist is like, "Stop, you're codependent." Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I get that too. <laughs> you know, she's like, "You're on some weird fucking savior mission, and no one, you're not saving anyone." Mm-hmm. She's like, "You're actually just a coward." <laughs> 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 and I'm going around with my cape, pretending I'm saving people, and she's like, "You're drowning." Mm-hmm. So you can stop offering other people life preservers. Yeah, you gotta save yourself. I know. Enjoy yourself. I know. What any are you reading any like what has been a good book you've read or a podcast you've listened to or something that has kind of supported you in the this journey, the healing journey? Oh, I can't really think of any. Are you a book book you. guy? I buy books. You I buy purchase them. them. Yeah. 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 But I, not you're not you're they're on the shelf more so. They're on the shelf. They sometimes a book either gets me and like I read it in two days or I like read I struggle through it for years. <laughs> I totally get it. Yeah. Some books they just fucking clobber you. I'm like in the middle of something for a decade. Mm-hmm. So what are you going what's your like you have a comfort movie or TV show or something like what's your- Um my comfort TV show is I Love Lucy for sure. I love Lucy. Yeah. Have you done Lucy Fest? No, I would love to. Oh, it's so cool. You've heard of it? Yeah, of course. It's so cool. Yeah. It's like in her hometown. And they oh, have, I like, know all about it. It's, it's awesome. <laughs> I Why would you, love to go. No one's ever it. invited me. No, you could easily do it. Okay. It's like, and then I fucking love it. They used to fucking play that on Nick and Knight. Mm-hmm. It's gone. Yeah, well, I got the DVD box set, so Oh, I'm you okay. do the box set? I got, I mean, I know I got it on Hulu. I got it everywhere. I know where to find Lucy. Yeah, but <laughs> there's certain episodes that they don't have on streaming that are my favorite, so I had to have them on my box set because if I get sick, that's what I like to watch. That's what you watch. Mm-hmm. So Sometimes I'll try to do, I'll try to watch stand up mm-hmm. when I'm sad. Why? But sometimes stand up like doesn't work. Does stand up work for you anymore? Um, yeah, but I like it live usually. Yeah. Um, I certainly prefer to see it live. I will watch a special. I like documentaries about stand up. Oh, I guess that's actually the answer to your question. Um, the thing that helped me most was the George Carlin documentary. Oh, I didn't see it. Um, it's very good, and it was just a lot about, like, being more and more your authentic self and, and talking about how he had this bit success before and then, like, had his own mental freak out and, like, just, like, this isn't who I am. I'm not this person, and I want to be the person that I am and, um, you know, had to restart and rebuild his whole fan base. And uh, Wait, why? Uh, because he was just, like, more of a... Um, old school style comedian at mm-hmm. the start and more just like regular setups punchlines about like day-to-day life stuff um and then you know and the more stuff that we know him now the political stuff the um came a lot later for him after the restart so um watching that and just seeing how much it meant to him and and that it was just like okay this is a different way that it's happening for me but like i feel like i'm going through the same type of thing of like i needed another thing to like force me to truly be myself yeah i i get that 
I want to watch that. I liked what you said. I was listening to your podcast about how, like, you get to hold uh, your youngest son is Teddy. Mm-hmm. How you think about how you want him, how he sees you, mm-hmm. and you want to be that. Yeah. And like that's such a great like pillar to keep returning to. Yeah. Um. No, I put it up in my gym where when I'm working out when I don't want to work out. I was like, oh, when my son sees Muhammad Ali, he thought it was his dad. Like that's cool. He also thought Smokey the Bear was his dad. Um, but if you've seen these new Smokey the Bear ads, he looks pretty freaking hot. He's, <laughs> he's, a, he's a good looking bear. So I take that. Yeah, yeah. that's so funny. Mm-hmm. I don't have a son, so I'm just gonna be the best person I can be for my rescue dog. Mm. That'll just have to be my line in the sand. That sounds sad when you said it. <laughs> no, it's okay. I'm so happy I don't have a son right now. No, that's good. I gotta do me. Yeah. I really gotta just do you do meditate? Yeah, sometimes. How does it go? Um, I have a whole room for it. Dedicated you have a whole meditation to it. room? Yeah, kinda. How big is the room? It's just a small office. It was my ex's office. <laughs> You're like, now this is my healing center. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I need to, like, recover. Okay, you. and what do you do? Do you have a cushion you sit on? I have a cushion. I have a cushion. I have some intention cards that I look at sometimes. Okay. And I have a record player in there. And, you, and you no listen screen. to music while you meditate? Um, usually not while I meditate, no. It's just a separate. That's just a separate. Is it TM? Um, no, I don't I don't know. You have a whole room for it, and you're not totally precise on. No. Do you listen to a guided meditation, or you close your eyes and just sit there? Just close my eyes, listen to, like, a chanty thing. Okay. Yeah. And it helps you, or what? Yeah, when I do it. Yeah. Yeah. And does pot help you? Mm, yeah, I think so. You like pot? Yeah, I do. So, if but you're not sure if it helps? Well, I just don't know if it helps me. I mean, I just don't know what do you mean in my... Like, I don't know. Is it good for your mental health? Uh, I think it depends on how much I smoke and the, and the mode. I try not to, um, I mean, I certainly, during the separation divorce, was using it to numb myself for a while. Yeah. Um, but I'm at my best when it's more of like a, just a treat for me or like a, a low grade, like enjoying it. I just used to, especially in my 20s and early 30s, I used to just blast myself to the moon you know like just really get after fly it a kite. yeah oh just high as shit yeah and now it's more like a smokable uh before i go work out i'll smoke one in the evening oh, i remember you saying that you would smoke before you work out i yeah. cannot believe that's possible oh especially with jujitsu it's great it gets you out of your head okay that maybe but like running Oh, I don't run like that. I'm not doing that. <laughs> Could you imagine you smoke a bowl and go for a run? I know people who do do that. How is that possible? I would be like on my side. That's so lo- that's so fucked up. <laughs> Jiu jitsu, at least, like I could like it's like smoking pot and then doing yoga. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that sounds fun. Yeah, it is fun. I used to go to a stone yoga class. It was great. Oh, it was for that's really you, great. Yeah, it was a blast. I want to go. I don't know if it exists anymore. We should start it. Yeah, sure. We have a whole club. Room. Yeah. And we've got the time. We definitely have the time. <laughs> I love doesn't he have the best laugh? The face. He has the best laugh ever. <laughs> no, it's just the face of someone in pain. Yeah, it was. It was a mask fell off and then you put it I know. back on. I know. <laughs> I'm doing so good. Ron Funches, everybody. (laughs) Thanks for coming on the show, buddy. 